From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Culture, culture, culture. How do you create an amazing team? What can you do to foster and cultivate a group of team members, employees, or you know whoever's on your team that uh, empowers them to go out and do amazing work? That's the question of the day. And I got a good friend here on the show. He is one of the practitioners, right? Not just an author and a speaker, but a guy leading a real business. His name is Arnie. Super smart guy. And there's some radical stuff, I'm telling you. Like, just prepare yourself because some of this is pretty radical, but it is really good. And it, it op- it's going to at least open your mind to some things and, and a different, a whole different mentality, frankly. It's it's throwing everything out the, the window about traditional management and workplace culture and workplace performance. And it pretty much just kind of turns it on its head. So it's a cool conversation, uh, like always. And then And after, I'll have a little debrief for you that hopefully you'll find fun and educating and entertaining. Uh, So excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales. But sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. So the man that you are about to hear from is my homeboy. I love this man. His name is Arnie Malham, and uh, he's just a super cool guy. He's a real-life leader. Uh, Him and I met at John DeJulius's event a couple years ago. We were both speaking. Uh, In fact, there's a little bit of bitterness here because I think Arnie outranked me as a more crowd favorite than I was. So I'm a little bitter about that. But other than that... um, He is the author of a brand new book. The book is called Worth Doing Wrong, The Quest to Build a Culture That Rocks. And he is the founder of a company based here in Nashville called CJ Advertising. Very, very successful company. Um, Real active member of EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. And just a smart dude. And so, Arnie, welcome back to the show. Thanks for letting me hang out with you, even though I did beat you out by one one hundredth of a point uh, on the stage. It, it, yeah, you're a big you're a big guy to let me in. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, uh, man, I I've this worth doing wrong. Okay, I know this is the title of the book, but this is actually a philosophy that you've had for like a long time, ever since I've known you, and you've you've talked about it. And I think people who know you well know that like worth doing wrong is a part of a part of, a part of Arnie's like, you know, just like the psyche. Can you give us the rundown of what it, what it is and what it means? And, and also how did you come up with this? 
Well, it, when you when you get as much wrong as you as I do in life, uh, you you got to act like it's on purpose. Like I, we were uh, we were I was driving the other day. It was me, my wife, my daughter. Me and my daughter travel a lot together, and and, and my wife was in the car, and I had drifted lanes and went on over. And she goes, "You didn't use your blinker," and and my daughter speaks up and says, "No, no, no, he." He drifts and then he acts like he did it on purpose. So he just goes on over. Right. <laughs> and so I have a history of doing things wrong so long. And so my concept is I got to do it wrong enough to finally get it right. And that's how we've sort of navigated business over the years. We just keep we're just willing to do it wrong. We're willing to be knocked down and get up and try again over and over uh, we get a lot more wrong than we get right. But when we figure it out, when we've done it enough to finally figure it out, uh, good things happen, and and that's really how we built our business. So is it is it basically like business experimentation? Uh, you, if you ask some of my uh, team, they would say that you know that, that they've gotten used to things working, they've gotten th- used to things not working, uh, but we just got to try it. If I don't put a hundred percent into trying, then I always wonder back. Like I'm that shopper that like I go to one store and I look at, it, then I go to the other store and look at, it, then I go back to the store and look at the same thing again. Like I want to know for sure. And so we just put a lot of energy in into however we do it. Yeah. Well, and and uh, for those of you just listening, me and Arnie, like when you walk into his office, it's incredible. Like the place, first of all, it's like sanctuary. His team greets you, like they know your name. They come out to your car and like you know give you like your guest parking permit if you if you forgot it, and then they hand walk you and you go down these and, and the hallways have like all of these leaderboards for like customer or not customer like employee happiness and satisfaction and these books and all these things we're about to talk about and like all the media and it's it's just an incredible culture. In fact, we took the entire special ops team from Southwestern Consulting here in Nashville over to Arnie's office to give them a tour to show them like this is what we want our place to look like. It's not about ping pong tables and stuff like that. It's 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 not artificial culture. It's real meaningful like people are bought in and he's he's just the master of culture and and so that's what's going on here with the book and I think culture is an interesting thing, Arnie, because, like, in your opinion, who is responsible for culture? Is that like it has to come from the leader, or is it sort of like everybody's job, or is it like, look, if the leader's not bought in, it can't really happen? Like, who do you kind of say, look, culture is your responsibility? Well, culture follows leadership. Uh, those are the words uh, that that struck me very hard. Uh, in uh, a few uh, seven, eight, ten years ago, uh, when I was the guy blaming others for my culture, mm. uh, the comment of culture follows leadership hit me like a, a brick in the face because it's my fault. If and if, it, if you're listening right now and you don't have the culture you want in your business, I hate to be the bearer of this news. I hate it, but it's your fault. And and so until that moment is realized, it can't change. I mean, you, you get lucky and it can change, but it but it can't really change until you, the leader, take responsibility for it. Uh, and before I get off this, uh, I got to let you know, I, this is the first time I realized that we don't have a ping pong table. Like it just hit me. <laughs> I can't believe we have all this culture and no ping pong. Uh, it, it hit me like when you said that. I'm like, man, why don't we have a ping pong table? But we don't have one. Yeah. But what you're doing, I mean, w- whether you get a ping pong table or not, like yeah. the thing that I've always loved about you is because, yeah, it's like, yeah, get a ping pong table, have a massage yeah. therapist come in. Like, and I'm not saying those things are bad, like they can be good, but that I don't get the sense that that's the essence of what you're talking about when you talk about culture. 
I, I think that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, that we greet you with your name, you're offered water, there's stuff, there's, there's stuff that's on purpose all over our, our workspace, uh, because that's how we communicate that we want uh, communicate our success, if you will, and how we want to be seen uh, in the community. And I think, but ultimately, for us, everyone that works in the organization, you got to believe one thing: you got to believe that everyone else that works in the organization is there to help you be successful. And I and I think that's where the core of our energy comes from: is that we're not all coming to work and 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 uh, playing ping pong or acting like. I love that new commercial on the air that talks about the press passive aggressive sort of culture. Like we're here to help each other be better. And because everyone comes to work trying to help everyone else be better, it's like the, the energy is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that you can, you can feel. And, and I think, so I think here's the challenge with culture because like as a business leader, there's so much to focus on. I mean, there's so many freaking yeah. things to worry about, right? It's like, yeah. I got to grow sales. I have to manage cash flow. I have to improve customer service. Like, we have to do product and service innovation. We have to hire people. We have to train people. And then it's like, and now I got to deal, like, now I got to deal with culture. Like, how do you, where do you, as a real life, you know, entrepreneur, like, where do you rank culture? in the list of all of those things? Well, it, it is it is the classic chicken and the egg argument, right? Do I grow a great business and then cultivate a culture or do I cultivate a great culture that will help me grow a great business? And I think that we could, we could go round and round about what has to happen first. Uh, there certainly has to be the right idea. You certainly have to have, uh, you have to have the right mindset or you have to have a few people with the right mindset. But unless you start building culture from day one, you will never be able to execute on the opportunity. You may for a short time, you may be a burst of, you know, sort of a flash in the pan opportunity, but culture allows, has allowed our company to withstand the good times, to withstand the bad times, the falls, the successes, the turnover that ultimately will always happen within a, within any, any business uh, both for team members and clients, uh, and helps you execute a plan that sustains. We've been in business over 20 years, uh, and I, I think the biggest part of it is the culture that allows us to keep reinventing who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it, because I really want to get into the practical stuff here, because you guys got like a million things going on. And one thing that's really cool about your book, which is pretty rare these days, is you have pictures in it, like real life pictures, pictures of your team, your office. And I thought that was cool and powerful because like I, like I tried to describe it, it really is an experience when you go into the office. So this is how we live. These are the things we do. And some of them work and some of them, some of them don't work. But, and we're, there's, there's 20 things simultaneously going on and five of them we won't be doing three years from now because they just didn't pan out. But we, but we were destined to, to try them. And, and, we, and so we're like a real experiment happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is that, uh, that we didn't take all these things on at once. Like if you read the book, there's a chance in the first chapter you get overwhelmed because there's, there's dozens and dozens of ideas of things we've done, tried, or, or they're happening. Uh, we, you know, it's bull and a frog. It's, it's one thing becomes two things, two things becomes three things. And all of a sudden the stuff that people come in and their jaw drops on because they just don't understand how we get it done. We've been doing nonstop for years. It's just part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. It's the same, it's the same thing, the habits that we all form in our life. It's just the things that we believe are part of our business. So what are like, well, tell me some of the, tell me some of the ones that, 
uh, well, let's start with the good ones first. So what, what do you think, like, what are some of the best ones that you started that have really stuck that you've gotten a lot of attraction and don't tell me about uh, BBC cause I'll ask, I'm going to ask you about that separately later. <laughs> well, number one, that the number one thing we do that gives us the feedback and the system we need to, to, to do a really great job is that is our morale survey. Now this is, this can be dark arts for some in terms of they're, they're ultimately scared to ask, but every month we ask our entire team, we have over 200 employees, uh, in the organization. We ask everyone on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the best place you can imagine working and one being the worst. How is the workplace in, in our environment right now? And what are we doing right? And what can we do to make it better? Now that the, the back of that is you don't have to comment. I just need a number. I need to measure as a group, how we look, how we look as an organization. And, and by doing that every month and by soliciting comments and by reading every comment, not with an attitude of defensiveness, but with an attitude of how can we make this place better? We have made so many improvements to the organization, it's almost mind-blowing. Now, we've been doing this for seven years. We have hundreds and hundreds of comments. We have literally hundreds of improvements, uh, and it just keeps us fresh. It keeps us on our toes. And I got to tell you, when I really think we got it nailed down, somebody will say, hey, what about this? And you go, damn, they're right. And when you really think things are bad, usually they'll say, hey, you know, we appreciate this. And you go, man, I love that they appreciate that. So it is a self-fulfilling opportunity to continually make yourself better. But you got to ask and you got to mean it when you listen. So what do you call this? We just call it morale survey. Morale uh, survey. It, it, one of the cool things about it is that we are very transparent about it. You can actually read. You can see all the scores for the agency over the last seven years and read every comment and every response on our website uh, at cjadvertising.com. And if you just scroll, you know, you search around, you'll find the uh, morale surveys. And you do it once a month. Once a month. And it is, and I got to tell you, uh, it's the most important meeting we do. It's where we learn the most about how we can make the organization better. And so how, how, uh, like, what do you use to execute like a survey, just like a survey monkey? Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's all anonymous. And one person's in charge of it, and they just they gather and they print and we review it's and publish. Huh. And so it's basically just one question on a scale of one to ten, and then like an open like a then like a text box for like give us ideas or two text box what's working what's not working. Right. Right. And there's and big things come from it, and small things come. It's fun to talk about the small things. Uh, one of the things is that that. Uh, uh, I'll just mention it. This, this is uh, hopefully it's okay for your audience. Is we had. We had our facilities team was buying toilet paper. Sorry, not good toilet paper. It was John Wayne toilet paper. It was rough and tough and didn't take crap off anybody. <laughs> and finally, someone put it in the survey. Said, "Look, th th I'm just going to mention this is a problem." Well, we went to Charmin. Morale, morale is incredible here. You, <laughs> it's it's a small change, and you know what? It's not easy to get Charmin. Like all the office, all the office stores don't sell Charmin. You you got to go around the office supply stores to get Charmin because no one does it. And so I know this is crazy and the guys on your on your podcast talking about toilet paper, but you got to do whatever you got to do to make your people feel it's the best place to work and really mean it. Man, Charmin, the key to culture, the Charmin yeah. culture. I'm sure they're going to love that. Think about think about the what it says to your team when you're willing to do that, and then and then of course that led to a lot of other things that that, that some way say pamper spoil your team. They come here every day and they do the work you ask them to do, and they impress your clients, and they treat 
others the way you want them to be treated. And all they're asking for is a workplace that makes that gives them all the tools they need to get their job done. And that's what we try to do. That's just one aspect of it. There's there's so much more in terms of, of how we do reviews and, and how we compensate people and uh, how we uh, defend them against our clients when, when our clients are wrong and defend our clients against our team when they're wrong. But it's a way for the truth to come out and you know what you're doing. And you you publicly just like whatever the comments are, you just everybody sees them. So if somebody every says, yes, no no censorship unless unless they unless someone which is never almost like twice in seven years if someone calls out a teammate mm-hmm. uh, on something like we wouldn't publish it. But other than that, it's fine. Okay. So anyway, that's that's one big big thing we do is we we just very transparent about accepting feedback from our team. So you mentioned the tools idea, okay? So like toilet paper is one thing, but like, uh, it, we, you, you, does that apply same thing? Like you know, are you buying them all top of the line technology and just kind of saying yeah, like whatever it takes to get the job done, or like how do you balance that with like you know being financially prudent? Right, right. We have good technology. Like we do not have we're not bleeding edge technology. We have good technology and we and we make sure people have the tools they need to get their job done without without going crazy uh but one of the other things we do that that came from this is that uh, i used to be very strict you know in my head i grew up uh working by the hour and i I associated hard work with how it looked how hard work looked and in this economy and 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 for many businesses it's not about how hard you work it's how effective you work and so we've gone to a completely unrestricted PTO program so uh, and, and total row environment. So it's not about where you are. It's about what you do. And it's, it's, you know, it's been a getting used to for the entire workforce. But we have uh, absolute uh, – we give absolute autonomy for folks to get their job done. Wow. So it's just basically like pay for results, like figure it out however long it takes you. Right. And, and the, the work, the hard work is at the manager level because you have to figure out what success looks like. If you can't tell a team member what success looks like, then they can't. It's harder for them to achieve it. Right. If if you believe success looks like eight to five in a chair in front of their computer, you got a whole other set of problems. So you got to stop and determine what is this person's job? What does success look like if they're if they do a great job? How do they delight our clients? How do they delight our internal teams? And 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 spell that out for not spell it out. That even sounds wrong. It's describe that to the person in a way they can get it done. And if they're getting that job done, then 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 that's all that matters. Because if they're getting their job done, then the person next to them is getting their job done. Then it all comes together. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty radical, buddy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be. I had to get used to it. Like sometimes I'll I'll think, oh man, I need to talk to Barbara. Right? She's holding the key to something I think is important. And so I, I leave my office and I go down and look for Barbara and she's not there, right? Where's Barbara? I go to her Barbara's boss. Where's Barbara? And, and, my, and, and my management team is so much smarter than me. They look at me and they say, uh, what do you need? Because it's the question's not where's Barbara. It's what do you need? And did she know you needed it? And did you give her a deadline? Did you give her clear instructions? Did she know that you're expecting it? And of course the answer is no, I just thought of it. Right. And I just need an answer. And they go, well, email her and I'm sure she'll get back to you like immediately. And it happens when when we have found that if we respect our people and give them freedom, that our people respect us and get us answers. And we'll work all hours of the night, the weekend, uh, twice on Sunday, anytime they need us because they appreciate what we're giving them. Mm. Now, if you have the wrong people, all bets are off. But sure. you got all you you if you have the wrong people, that hourly doesn't matter. I mean, if you have the wrong matter. people, they're sitting there wasting time all day anyways. 
That's right. And, 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 and not, not just wasting time, not just, not just passively, but active disengagement, the kind of stuff, if you read enough, you, you learn about active disengagement where they're actually doing things to hurt your business on purpose because you made them come in and fight traffic. When if you just let them come in when they wanted to, they'd have been there in 15 minutes instead of two hours in traffic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, you go, am I paying somebody time to sit in a chair versus am I paying someone to get a job done? It's 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 been revolutionary for us in, in terms of in terms of uh, the, the, the not just the productivity, but the satisfaction with their job, which leads which which if you have happy team members, it is almost impossible not to have happy clients like like the two things correlate so perfectly together. And so my job as the leader of the organization, I see it as what can I do to make my workforce productive and happy. And I guess I guess happy becomes the big deal because if you've got the right people and they're happy, they're going to be productive. Mm-hmm. And then that begets us incredible service to our clients, which begets us you know, legendary uh, revenue on the work we're doing. Hmm. Um, so like uh, you talked about the, uh, the, the survey, you talked about the tools and technology, you talked about time off. What are some of the big flops? Like, what are some of the things that you guys have done, like for culture? And you said, "Oh, that was stupid," or it didn't get traction. Or, you know, like didn't carry or whatever. Well, one of the things we we I wouldn't say it's a flop. I mean, we've we've had things that that we've tried and we and we've said, "Well, that wasn't the best way to do it," but it but it was you know it, it accomplishes a goal. One of the things we tried, which I think I, I want other people to continue trying, it is this concept of dream manager. Uh, and dream manager is a process where someone comes into the business and they help your employees reach their personal goals. Forget promotions and getting their work done and, and things that are in their office. But what what's nagging them at home? Is it is it is it making sure they fund their kids' education? Is it caring for elderly uh, uh, parents? Is it uh, financing a new home? Is it hiking a trail they never hiked before? What is it they want to get done? And then someone we brought in a, a specialist. Uh, that worked here about 18 months to figure out how to help people achieve things personally. Mm. Uh, and, and, and it was for those, we had people write books. We had people start new careers. We had people leave here. We applauded them leaving here to go start and do something they've always wanted to do in their life because it helped them become a bigger person. And the message that sends the entire staff is more powerful than any one person working here. It's about making everyone successful. And so we discontinued that program after about 18 months, not because it flopped, but because it it uh, what we the the person was unique. All your people kept uh, leaving. Well, no, <laughs> it just, just kidding. It just it was one of those programs that we we did, we executed, and it was time. It was a necessary ending. It was time for us to move on to the next thing. Gotcha. Uh, but was so a, was that a staff person or was it an outsourced person that just kind of came in? Everyone like was it an yeah, outs- outsourced person? Yeah, outsourced person that came in and said, "You just we just we measured and we said, hey, you know, for what we're paying and what we're doing, we want to encourage the concept. Like we talk to people about reaching their personal goals all the time, but we're just not doing it with a with a dedicated resource." Yeah, I've wondered about that. Infusionsoft has a dream manager, uh, or they did last time I was there at their headquarters, and 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 they uh, they do that. So it's interesting that you kind of did that, but not as much. Uh, yeah, but, but anymore. And it's and it's and it's again it's the it's the mindset. People still remember the programs, the mindset, but you got to be willing to try to put some resources behind it to see how how what's the what's the ROI on this culture item. Like uh, we have um, this is still silly, but we have Sonic Ice. Uh, everyone some some companies have their own ice machine. We have two. One's a Sonic Ice, one's cubed ice. But people love the Sonic Ice. Well, that damn thing broke 
uh, like a month ago, it broke. It was down for like a week and a half, and, and it was almost an uprising. So you, one, of, one of the downfalls of all this is once you provide the, the cool stuff, then they always want it. But but again, it's they get they can't imagine not having the the uh, sort of the work environment, the autonomy, the freedom that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, buddy, I, I, this, I mean, I just, I love this stuff because you're out there doing it, you're practicing it, you're testing it in the real world. The company's growing. I mean, you guys, you guys dominate your space, uh, as much as anybody I know that dominates a specific space. Uh, well, we're, we're, it's a small niche and I'm not saying that everyone's hunting it. I mean, but, uh, for, for building legal brands and markets, we're the best and, and we're the best because we have the best people. We have not just the best people, but the best people that have been here long enough to do it wrong themselves in order to get it right. The average tenure in our agency is five years in an industry that people stump their nose at. And so it's 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 part of that is just keeping the right people engaged enough so that the cycle can can improve uh, the whole the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the book, the book is just full of um, ideas. Like it's not a how-to book. I hope. If someone reads this and does exactly what we did, I, I don't consider that a success, but it's full of ideas and so that they can figure out what's important to them, what their values are, how they value their people and their culture and their client base, and what are the ideas they can put to work to make a difference in their business. And and if it makes a difference in their business, it's likely to make a difference in their people. If it makes a difference in their people, then it's likely to make a difference uh, for them personally. And then the, the, just the cycle of win just keeps coming around. The more we do the more we want to do. Uh, we're having our holiday party tonight, uh, and we're going to celebrate 300 guests, lots of uh, prizes, lots of awards, uh, recognitions, uh, and just great times to celebrate another great year in business, which all boils down to treating people right. Where do you want people to go to connect with you and learn about the book uh, and uh, everything Arnie? Uh, worth doing wrong is uh, the, the the website worth doing wrong dot com will lead you to a lot of different places. It's got uh, book recommendations, uh, you know, of the books I've read, which ones have been most influential to me. Uh, it's got videos of uh, how we do some of our culture that people will find unique and interesting. It's got podcasts, even the podcast you and I did a couple of years ago. Uh, soon this one will be on there, I hope. Uh, and, uh, it's got a little bit about us and links to all our businesses, whether it's CJ advertising, legal and tape professionals, better book club, uh, an idea which, which can help others build, build their, the learning in their organization. Yeah. So that's my last question is about BBC. Cause this is like the famous, this is like the famous Arnie thing. Um, yeah. so, so talk to us about better book club, not only so much that I know this is a service you've turned it now into a service that companies can, can take advantage of, but talk to us about the concept of where better book came, better book club came from what you do, how it works. And, uh, cause I, I think it's so genius. Well, the, the, and I, you've heard the story, so I'll, I'll, I'll bore you with it one more time or excite you with it one more time, but I'm at home. Uh, I'm a I'm a reader. I like absorbing information, figuring out what other people have done that I can replicate and 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 try to uh, create success from. And I had collected some books, and of course they're on my a shelf at home. And my wife needed space for something, and she finally said, "Hey, will you take these to work?" I'm like, "Well, no, that's my that's my book collection, right? Those that that proves that I actually read them. That the fact that I have them." And she said, "Well, I love that it proves it, but can you prove it at work?" <laughs> I said, "Fine." So I take Just I take like my AJ. box. Just like. Yeah, <laughs> 
<laughs> so I tell you, it makes perfect sense. So I take my box of books, I go and I get to work and I realize hey, this is a really good opportunity, right? I'm going to put them on the shelf and I'm going to tell everyone that works here that they're welcome to read my books. And how cool would it be if they read the books I've read? And then when I tell them about you know an idea, an opportunity, they'll know what I'm talking about. So I'm all excited. I put the books out. I announce that they could, they're happy to use them and read them and borrow them. And no one read the books. No one even touched the books. Like they got their own things. Books, books, books sound, it sounds difficult. They don't want to deal with that. Uh, and so then I would put a little pressure on them. It didn't work. It got even worse. So finally, one day I just got the idea, well, look, what if I just pay you to read them? And so I went in and I, and I wrote on the inside cover, uh, 25, 50, 75, or 100, depending on how, how uh, substantial the book was. And I told people, look, if you read the book, I'll pay you. And slowly people took me up on the offer. They, 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 they would read a book. I'd pay them 75 bucks. They'd read a book. I'd pay them a hundred bucks. Uh, they made a little money. They gained a lot of knowledge, but most importantly, they told their colleagues about the experience and what they learned. And it sort of set off this firestorm. Since starting this, uh, we have paid out over a hundred thousand dollars to team members to read books. It is the cheapest, most effective training we do. Uh, you go to a conference in, in, in Milwaukee and you spend flight money and hotel money and taxi money and you, you drink uh, or go out after and, and forget what you learned uh, the day before. You come back with a nugget of knowledge and it costs you $4,000. Uh, I, I can pay someone to read outliers for 100 bucks to read outliers and they retain more of the information and they get the concepts longer than they'll ever get from a seminar. And so pound for pound, it has proven to be one of the most, the most effective thing we've ever done. We get the books into the brains of our people. The ideas come out of them as opportunities for our business and our clients. And the winning just rolls and rolls and rolls. I can look up a team member and I can tell you everything they've read. And so think of the value as the as as an entrepreneur. Think of the value of me pulling up a team member, seeing the the dozen. 20 or even more books they've read and how to kind of understanding where their thought patterns are. If they've read, if they've read compound effect, if they've read 212, if they've read outliers, if they've read scaling up, I can have a different conversation with them than if they haven't. Right. And so it becomes a very powerful tool. You're paying people to read their books and better book club. So that's a website too, right? Betterbookclub.com. That's it. Yeah. 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 And you can uh, sign your team up there and track the books. And I mean, it's, it's pretty freaking cool. We're in 37 countries. We're in 37 states and 22 countries. Uh, It's spreading like wildfire because businesses see the value of the training and the opportunity to know what their people are reading. Yeah, it's so, so cool. Well, Arnie Melham is his name. The book is called Worth Doing Wrong. Uh, I encourage you to check this out. It'll rock your world. I tell you what, this is this is a culture that is is radical and fun and profitable, as it turns out. So, uh, Arnie, thank you so much. And man, we just appreciate you loving on your people. And what an what an amazing example that you set for every leader that's out there and entrepreneur and business owner about just loving on your people and caring for your people and then letting them care for your customers. It's just it's just awesome, brother. Thanks. We're gonna keep rocking forward. How cool, right? How radical, like just not having set hours, letting people come and go, paying your people to read. I mean, uh, the transparent posting of team member responses about how they think the office environment is. I mean, that's pretty crazy stuff. 
and uh, pretty pretty amazing. I think one of the things that I wanted to come back and highlight and really focus on here is I think you know a lot of things that Arnie was talking about, and you heard him say this. He said it all depends on having good people, right? Like you can't have a bunch of bad people and do this kind of stuff. I mean, you're investing into these people, whether it's you know Sonic Ice and Charmin toilet paper, or or if it's you know top grade technology, or just giving them like letting people determine their own schedules and time off. Like that's, those are, those are big things. And you, in order to do that, you, you want to make sure you have the right people. And so I just thought it might be useful for you to go through and highlight actually very practical steps uh, of our, our 15 step process that we use at Southwestern Consulting to hire people, right? Because if you find good people, then I think everything he's talking about makes sense because you can trust people. You can care for them. You can allow them to do the job you brought them to do. And I think part of developing the confidence to innovate with some of these mechanisms related to your culture is dependent upon how you know confident you are about your hiring process. And so I thought that was kind of a, a relevant thing. And these are just kind of the, this is like the 15 steps that we run people through when we bring them on board. So the first of all, number one is, is be very clear about what you want, right? So every, every time we're looking to bring someone on, it's like, all right, we create this position results description, or you might call it a job description or whatever. But on one page, this is the task they're looking for. Here's the metrics they're going to be measured on. Here's who the person's going to report to. Like, here's what their daily life looks like. Here's how they're going to know they're successful. Here's the personality traits. Like, all of those things in one document going, okay, this is who we're looking for. And you get everybody around the table to sign off. And that's huge because if, you, if that's the work of the leader. If you can't tell them what success looks like, then it's almost impossible for them to achieve it. Um, number two is you talk about, in the interview process, tell people what you believe. Uh, we often say we aren't looking for people who can do what we do. We're looking for people who believe what we believe. And so the first thing that all of our candidates receive is a copy of our creed. And so that lists out all, it lists out all of our values about how we do business, um, and and we have lines in our job descriptions that say things like our culture is one of traditional values. We pray before group meals. We have Bible verses on the walls. We don't cuss at the office. We don't tolerate whining or gossip or immaturity or laziness. Like we we have things that are very upfront about more of the the mental state of the team because that's what culture is, right? It's not a ping pong table. It's the mindset and the heartbeat and and you know the mission of the people. So be upfront about that. Then number three is we request the, the resume, right? That's pretty standard. So we're looking at the resume. Probably the number one red flag we look for is um, inconsistency. Like, are they a job hopper? That is is probably the biggest thing. Um, is is just are they constantly bouncing around? Because we're we're in it to win it, and we're investing in people for the long haul, and we train our people and coach them and develop them, and so we're gonna be we're betting on them like they're betting on us, and we need to make sure that we're in this together for a while. So that's one of the biggest things we look for. Um, then step four is a quick uh, screening call, just like ten to thirty minutes. And here's the rule with this with the first call: you're not allowed to talk really about all about who you are. You're only allowed to listen. And you're just asking them about what have they done? What type of job are they looking for? What is their perfect environment? If they could do anything, what would it be? Um, 
and you're just listening and just you're basically letting them talk themselves out of a job um and and very often you can you can filter people out just in that very first screening call now it's a little bit different if you're recruiting somebody there's we make a big internal distinction between are we hiring somebody or are we recruiting somebody if we're recruiting somebody either away for something or it's somebody we already know that we want it's a little bit different because you're it's more of a sales presentation right so you're that this first call is we kind of skip that screening call because we already know them and we move to step five which is the on the hook call so this is where we start talking to them about the position and we share a lot of the positives um we don't usually talk about compensation but but we talk about the mission right we're really hammering like the overview and the big picture of the company and the position and uh, we don't want to overpromise, but we want to get them excited about what we do. We, this is this is a presentation. This is where we want them to be sold on who we are and what we believe in, in what we're doing. And then after that, step six is we start to put them through a little bit of the ringer. Um, this is where we have them submit a questionnaire about themselves. Uh, we often have them turn in a list of books that they've read or awards they've received. We review all their online websites. We... Um, we definitely go look at their like social media profiles um, and you know that kind of thing. We'll give them assignments, things that are relevant to their job position, but like review this website, read this document, check out this article, and we just we want to see how serious they are. Like, are they engaging? Because we believe that if someone's going to be successful, they should be immediately taking action. Right? There should be immediate action, and that's one of the things that we're looking for. Um, after that, the seventh thing is the details call. And so this is where we kind of go through the, the the nitty gritty of a bird's eye view of a day in the life of. Um, and still sort of like upbeat and positive, but, you know, really this is where we're kind of talking about, you know, specifics. And sometimes a lot of times here we're getting into compensation. This is kind of compensation call. Then the, the eighth call, which should be potentially the third or fourth time that we've talked to the person, uh, is the vision call. And this is where we talk about long-term and we talk about the opportunity for advancement. We talk about any long-term benefits that that they might be eligible for. Um, and, and then if we haven't yet, any questions about compensation that haven't been answered need to be answered, um, you know, at this, at this point. Um, after that, step nine is sort of interesting and this is kind of unique. Um, that we we have them interview with other people and we have a rule that every person we hire must be approved, interviewed and checked off and signed off by three of our partners, three of our equity holders um, in our business. And one of the things that's unique about Southwestern Consulting, right, is, is uh, you can earn equity. It's, it's not something that we restrict to just the founders. It's a, it's a very generous and abundant minded um, equity plan. And so we've got, uh, I think we have something like 14 partners, uh, right. As of right now, as the time of this recording. And so people who have some equity in the business. Um, and so they, they, they talk with those people. And then this is a little bit where the partners typically are tougher on them. They try to like bring them down to reality a little bit and maybe like, you know, give them, give them some of the harder parts. Then number 10 is a shadow day is the in-person like come work with us and see what the job looks like. Like watch somebody else who is doing similar work, um, so that they know what it is all about. Then step 11 is the second partner call. Um, so you have another partner talks to them and usually whoever the lead interviewer is talks to them in between talks to the candidate in between. Then number 12 is the spousal interview. Like Dave Ramsey says, you need to make sure they're not married to crazy. 
because we're not trying to bring a bunch of craziness and, and drama into the life of the, the work family, and uh, it inevitably bleeds over from the home family. Um, then after that, we, we do a budget review, and we try to get to uh, an opportunity to look at their monthly budget. We want to make sure that they have a plan for... We invite them. It's not mandatory. We invite them to, to submit their monthly budget and their expenses um, because we want to make sure that they can afford to work with us. And that, you know, that we can afford them and they can afford us. And, and also we are huge in our culture about being debt free. It's just like, we believe it and, and we want to show them and, and mentor them through a plan to get them debt free because we want the people working here to be here because they want to be, not because they have to be. Um, so there's that. And then after that, step 14 is, is reflection, um, in our case, we actually pray about the candidate, right? Like after you've gotten feedback, for, you, you go and you get feedback from the, the two people that have interviewed them. You look at their assignments. You kind of look, go back and look holistically at everything that they've turned in. And, you know, in our case, we, we pray about them. And we ask, do they pass the hangout test? Uh, we do, is this somebody that I would want to hang out with outside of work? Not that that always happens. And that's not every culture, but that is a part of our culture. Um, and then number 15 is the selection conversation. The moment that you actually extend them the offer and, and the way that you gain commitment, that's more than we have time to go into um, right here today. But that is an art form and a skill and a critical, perhaps the most important conversation that you have with somebody um, at, at the moment you extend them an opportunity to join the team. And so we powerfully invite them, and it is a it is a, a ceiling. It's a bond that is made. It's a handshake and a commitment to one another that is not just paperwork. It's it is we're we're becoming family, and uh, we're making it happen. So those are just a couple ideas quickly about how to find the right person and. Hopefully that with the combination of what Arnie shared will help you fortify and strengthen and promote and solidify um, the, your team that you have. Because if you're serving them, they will be serving your customers. And that's what we want to be doing as leaders. We want to be looking out for people. We want to be supporting people. We want to be caring for people. We want to be loving on people. And I love you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.